Today we're going to talk, as a, uh, for our second part of He Knows Your Name, we're going to talk about His life for yours and the fact that He did come to make a trade. He did come to, to really, truly give Himself away for you and for me. We are skilled in the art of the trade. Now, we went out, Elizabeth and I, and we were looking around, and there were, there was, we're looking, we owe Rachel a, a car, and many of you know the story from when she, she got a full ride to Butler, and so we don't have to pay very much there, and we told her that if she did that, we would buy her a, a Mini Cooper, because we've already got one that's getting ready to graduate in May, and we realize college expensive, but it's cheaper, believe it or not, to buy a car than it is to buy college. So uh, we made this deal uh, with her that we would do that, and uh, so we were out, and uh, looking around, and there's a, there's a little Mini Cooper around the corner down here, and so we were driving it around, and, and how many of you, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's the deal part that, you know, I mean, I, I'm a good swapper of stuff, but when it comes to talking cars and those kind of things, just tell me what I need to pay, tell me what your lowest part, because I don't want to, man, I don't want to have to dicker and, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, that's the part that really kind of makes me cringe, but really, for, most, for the most part, we're really good at trading. We've been good since we were little kids. You traded your lunch for all kinds of good stuff. There was some sucker in your elementary school that wanted to eat your ham sandwich and gave you his ho-hos and, and, and some kind of cookies or something. And I mean, you were always, you, you made out. There was these, these kids, when I was in, 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 in middle school at Tecumseh, they had a little, uh, little, little thing set up at the end of the cafeteria. You remember that, Rob, where you get like, I used to get those uh, ice cream you know, ice cream on a stick, and, and I could trade stuff, and I, I was really good at trading things, and I would trade for quarters, because if I got enough quarters, then I could buy, and like my record was like 12 of those things in one lunchtime, it's like 12 ice creams, but I had to barter and dicker for those, because I, but I really wanted that ice cream, we're really good at it, you know, it doesn't matter if we're older folks, or if we're younger folks, you know, our whole world is set up on a trading system, sometimes we trade for cash, I mean, when you go to the grocery store, you're literally trading groceries for money. You're not going to bring in your goods and trade them for their goods like we did in the old days. But, but really, for the most part, we're really good at trading. Even the little ones are good at trading. Somehow this Batman showed up in my office a few years ago. And uh, I think it's one of Corey's, it was one of Corey's kids. I knew it was because I'd played with it at their house. And, and uh, <laughs> I, I like to play with stuff. So it was, it was fun. And we were playing Batman. And uh, I, I like this guy. And he showed up in my office one day. And so I thought, conveniently, finders keepers, right? Losers weepers, possessions nine-tenths of the law, so this bad boy is mine. So he lived on my, he lived on my desk for a long time. And uh, he was mine, and it was probably uh, unlawful. And I uh, probably, I don't think, would have gone to jail for taking Batman, but it probably wasn't lawful, especially in the eyes of Liam, whose it was, when he saw it on my desk one day. And he snatched that puppy up. That's my Batman. I said, excuse me, son. That Batman's been in here for quite a long time. You didn't even know it was gone from your house. And he, he, he rather likes my desk. And so he sat on a little motorcycle in my desk, and he looks at me all day. And, and, but he said, no, that is my Batman. And so I decided, okay, here's the deal, little man. See, we know how to trade. We know, how, we know, we know if something's valuable to us, and so we, we, know, we know that we can, we can trade. And so I said, all right, little man, what's it worth to you? He said, I, I, I want that Batman. I said, okay, let me, let me explain trading. Okay, I'm going to give you something that you really want, and you're going to give me my Batman back. That's my Batman. Okay. And he can't argue with a three-year-old at the time, I think. So I said, okay, here's the deal. We'd gone to lunch that day out, out at Spaghetti's, and we were in the parking lot, and I came out to the van, and I said, okay, here's the deal, pal. 
How many of you have done that to the salesman? This is my last offer. So I go to this three-year-old who's climbing into the van with his mom, and I said, here's the, here's the deal, pal. Here's my last offer. I'll give you $5 for Batman. And uh, he said, $5? I mean, you know, a little kid's like a million dollars. He doesn't know the difference. And uh, yeah, he'll take, he'll take whatever. And so uh, I, I made sure his mother was there, so this wasn't illegal. I wasn't doing it behind the van without his mom present. He had, he had legal representation of age, so I wasn't ripping off a three-year-old. But I said, here's the deal. Now, does he, you know, Lally explained it to him. Now, here's the deal. You don't get Batman anymore. He is not yours. He's going to be Uncle Johnny's. I said, yeah, that's the way it is, man. I know, you know, I'm, I, I like this guy. So he said, I, uh-huh, uh-huh. So I gave him the five bucks. And then he wouldn't give me Batman. It's like, no, no, you don't don't understand the trade. (laughs) Yeah, that's your voice. That's right. Get in the van, shut the door, say, Mom, Johnny's giving me five bucks. So I said, give me the Batman. So I got Batman. So Batman's been sitting on my desk ever since, and he's rightfully mine because I traded for him. But that little sucker still comes in, tries to steal him. And every now and then I come in, he's not on my desk, and I go looking for him. He was gone. He was missing one time for about six months. And they were all blaming Miles. And Miles, is, Miles was just getting hammered for six months. And finally, in the end, Liam goes, okay, I took it. <laughs> Oliver was going, it's Liam, it's Liam. I said, no, I know it's not Liam, it's Miles. And I was after Miles. I said, Liam knows I gave him five bucks for that. He's not going to take it. And finally, in the whole end of the whole deal, Liam goes, we lost our black one, so I had to take the blue one back. <laughs> I said, okay, pal. But I traded for him, so, so, so he was mine, you know, uh, I think I got the best deal. I think I got the, the, the better end. Don't you want the better end of the trade? I mean, you're not looking for the raw end of the deal. You don't usually go out and you don't usually make a trade for the worst. This guy was worth five. Actually, if you don't tell Liam, he was probably worth ten bucks to me. So, Liam, I made out all right. I, I got a new guy, and uh, Liam ended up with some cash, and so that, that's all good. Well, you know, Jesus came into this earth to really, truly just trade his life for ours. And when he came into this deal... See, he, he realized that he was getting the better end of the bargain. That he was coming. He had to go through some stuff. I mean, he had to be beaten and kicked and all those things and, and die a horrible death and, and all the sin of mankind was placed on him that was supposed to be and, and rightfully should have been placed on us all the way till the end. But he took all that for us. Because in the end, he, he knew there was, there, was a, there, was, there was a better situation. He knew he was trading up. And you know, in, in, in our lives, we, we have to get to the point where we recognize the fact that he traded his life for ours. And, but really, in the end, what we need to do is trade our life for his. Because it's Calvary, and because it's Easter, because it's Palm Sunday, and all of those things, we recognize the fact that he came in and he gave his life for us. That, that's, that's not news to us. That's not, that's, not, that's not new to most of us. Many, many of you, I mean, I know all you guys. We're all, we're all saved. For the, so I, I know where we are. But I think what we have to realize in the end is the other side of that that says there's another trade that needs to take place. That it wasn't. He said it's complete and it's finished. His work on this earth was done. But, but the job or the completion of the trade wasn't finished yet because we have then the right at that point. We have then the responsibility to go ahead and make the trade. He has provided us the goods, but we have to give our part to him so that we can receive the part that he has for us. 
And, you know, you can go back and read and look at different scriptures and see. I don't think it's news to us. But Jesus did come in Matthew 20, 28 in the Message Bible. It says, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. And then it goes on and it says, and then he came to give away his life in exchange, or the New King James says, as a ransom for the many who were held in hostage. That he came to serve, not to be served, but that he came to exchange his life for those who were held in captive. That's us. People in the Bible have been making trades forever. And some have been good and some have been bad. Eve made a trade. She traded an apple for sin, death, and destruction entering the earth in Genesis in chapter 3. That's a trade. She had everything, but she she made a trade. Mankind made a trade that day and said we, we prefer flesh. We prefer self. We prefer, in this case, in the end, sin, death, destruction, all of those things in our life. Esau, we talked about him, you know, he traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. We talked at that time about don't, 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 don't trade a permanent thing for a temporary situation. And he gave up his birthright, which was, was a forever deal. He gave it up for a bowl of soup, which was for a moment situation. That was a bad trade. Well, like Pastor Pam read earlier in, in, in Genesis in chapter 12, Abraham traded really truly. God said, I'm going to take you from Abram to Abraham, and I'm going to take you from a desolate situation into a place where you're going to be the father of many nations, and you won't be able to number your descendants. They'll be as many as the stars. But first you must, he said, I need you to trade me. She read that, and it said, you need to leave your country. You need to leave your family. You need to trade where you are and who you are today for who I'm going to make you tomorrow. There's a trade that had to take place. God will fulfill his part of the bargain, but there has to be a, see, there has to be a trade. Abraham had to leave that place. He didn't know where he was going. It would have been better to have a plan, I'm sure. It would have been better to have a map. God said, you go and I'll tell you when you get there, basically. But he had to trade. He had to move out himself. He had to go. If you look in Isaiah 61, and we can read all of these verses real quick, and it's 61, 1 through, 1 through 11, it's, really is a prophecy that talks about salvation and the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and it's not just that He came really truly in our life to trade for our life just so that we could have salvation, just so that we could have eternal life. Although that's, that's kind of the pinnacle of the idea of the trade that was made, one life for another. But with His life comes so much more. See, in this trade, there's more than just salvation. In John 10.10 where it says that that abundant life, well, that's more than just getting to live with him forever. Here it says, you know, and this is what Jesus quoted this back, you know, in Luke in chapter 4. But it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn. So there's comfort in time of mourning. That's a trade. He goes on, though, and he says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. So you give up your ashes and you receive his beauty. You can't sit in both beauty and ashes. doesn't work. That's not what he has for you. Although that's what we want because we don't want to let go. See, he says, I'm going to give you joy for your sorrow. You can't have both joy and sorrow. You can't have it both ways. When his joy comes, that sorrow leaves. 
It says sorrow lasts but the night, but what comes in the morning? Joy. And that says that it replaces the sorrow and the sorrow has to go. Too many people begin to receive his joy but won't let go of that sorrow. And so in their life, that sorrow will overcome the joy that's come. They can, you know anybody like that? Continues to go back to that past thing. They're stuck because somebody passed away or because somebody hurt them or because somebody left or because some situation went down and they can't get rid of that thing. Oh, I want God to take it away. I, I want God to change it. I want God to fix me. I want him to give me his joy or, or, or whatever that might be. You say God is a restorer. He came to recover all those things. Yes, but if you still hold on to that sorrow, you still hold on to that hurt, you still hold on to that past, you still hold on to that pain, then those things can't be traded. Liam wanted to drive away with my five bucks and my Batman. That one going down, I would lay in front of that van for five bucks. I mean, come on, this is this Batman we're talking about. It says, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be exalted and called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall rise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Now this is part of the good stuff that we begin to rejoice because we've made a change and none of these things come. And the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Double honor instead of shame, but you can't hold on to the shame. You got to let go. If you let go and you trade that shame, he'll return you with double honor. There's a trade. Just as Jesus came to give his life away and to pour it out on Calvary and to trade his for yours, all of his goods come to you if you receive them and get rid of all yours and receive his. It says, for I, the Lord, if you go on down, oh, sorry, instead of confusion in verse 7, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. We'll stop there. It goes on and it continues and it continues to get better. See, what have you traded away in your life? See, we're good. We're schooled in the art of the trade. What have you traded away? Hopefully, as we come to Jesus and as we grow and we mature in Him, we're getting rid of the hurt and the pain and all of those things. But see, too many times in our life, we come to Him, and then as we try to live our life, we're hurt, and those things come, and we trade away really the pieces who He has made us to be. We trade away the parts that He has given us many times. How many times have we traded away maybe our morality for a situation that might benefit us in the short term? Our conscience is screaming at us that this might not be right, but we live in the gray instead of the black instead of the white. And because it's okay maybe in the natural and because maybe there's no, there's, there's no repercussions maybe that can really truly legally come against us, we say that it's okay, that it's all right, I make that decision. But really truly what we're doing is we're trading away a piece of ourselves for something else in return. Too many times we trade away our purity, young people do. They trade away their purity for a, for a moment of sensual pleasure or whatever that might be. You know, have you traded something away that you wish you could have back? In your life, think about it. See, what would you give to have all your wildest dreams come true? See, what would you do? My brother and I used to play this game all the time. 
what would you do for a million dollars? And what we found out real quick was, there's not much we wouldn't do. We were poor kids, man. We didn't have a lot of stuff. So when you start talking about, we would even, he, we would whittle each other down. Okay, okay, okay. This, it's, it's honest. Okay, we'll do anything for a million bucks. No, no big deal. Okay, so we would, we would work ourselves down to where it really started getting interesting. Right? I mean, at that point, when you, when you don't have any money and you're 12 or 14 or 18 years old, you'll do anything for 50 grand. You don't care. Lay in the street, run me over with the tank. It's 50 grand. I'll be all right. But see, we'd start getting down to the nitty-gritty. We'd start getting down to like a thousand bucks. What would you do for a thousand bucks? Well, still, then we didn't have a, you know, when you get down to about a hundred bucks, that's where we started kind of started really kind of hedging ourselves. Because <laughs> we knew that in two weeks we could make a hundred bucks. <laughs> two full weeks, eight hours a day, and minimum wage is about a dollar then. So we, we, you know, that, that's when we began to see what in your life today, right where we sit today, what, what would you trade? What would you give away? What would you, what, would, what would you do for all of your dreams to come true in your life? See, what would you trade away? What would you give? Because it's real simple. The answer is just give away yourself. Give away your life to Christ. Make that trade. And when you make that trade, he comes in and he begins to fulfill all those things. You trade your sorrows for his joy. You trade your pains for double honor, your shame for double honor. You get rid of all the stuff you didn't want anyway. You dump your bag there and you receive his bag here. And in that bag are all your dreams and all the things that you've had vision for all your life. It's a trade that takes place. But here's the thing we can't do. We can't hang on. We can't hang on to ours too. We can't, we can't hang on to our bag and then try to, try to get his bag too. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. That it's not of our own works. See, that's what it says in Hebrews. Abraham wasn't justified by his works. He wasn't justified by his circumcision. He was justified by his faith. God said that it was accounted unto him as righteousness because of his faith, not because of who he was or where he was born, not because of the the covenant of circumcision, not because of the works and the things that had been going on in his life, not because he was a great guy, an upstanding citizen among the people or whatever. Heck, he killed somebody. I mean, this was, this was, uh, or uh, that was Moses. Abraham was doing all these things to serve God, and he was pouring out his righteousness on him because he believed. He'd made a trade, not mine, yours. And whatever you have for me. And this hit me yesterday. And, and this, this meant something to me because I think sometimes we, we, we see the promises of God being fulfilled and manifest in our life. Right? I mean, that's, that's what we do. But Abraham didn't see all of those things manifest in his life while he was here on earth. Those things were all promised to him and to his descendants. Yet he had to live on this earth as though he was going to see them. Now, I'm not telling you all your dreams aren't going to come true, but that hit me yesterday. All of those things that God poured into him that day and took him outside and showed him all the stars, he, he had Isaac. And then he moved forward. But really, he didn't have in his house a group of folks that numbered the sky. In our, in our lives, as mature, we are, we, are, we are, this is the mature body of Christ as we stand before him. We, we know who he is and what's going on. We have to learn to let go of ours and receive His. There's a story, and, and I was, as I was preparing the message, this, this came to me while I, while I was preparing, and I went and, and tried to remember and, and find this story. It's a, it's a story that they tell. It's an old 
Some people say it's a wives' tale. Some people say it's true. Some, you know, it's, it, it's a story about a tribe in Africa. And the story is, how do you catch a monkey? Apparently, monkeys are tasty. I've never eaten one, but that's what they did with them when they caught them. But they're quick. Monkeys are small. You can't grab them. So what they used to do was they took a coconut, and they would take this coconut, and they would hollow out a little hole on the side of the coconut that was just big enough for the monkey to get his hand in. And they would lash it to a tree so the monkey couldn't walk off with their coconut, and they would fill it up with peanuts. They'd put peanuts in there. And then the monkey would smell the peanuts or the honey or the little fruit, the apples, whatever it might be. He would smell those things and he would be drawn to that little coconut. Monkeys are smart. They're sharp. And so he figured out how to get his hand in there. And when he got his hand inside the, little, inside the coconut, he found the, the peanut. But then when he grabbed a hold of the peanut and he tried to pull his hand out, he, he couldn't get his hand out. And so the poor stubborn monkey, truly, what does he have to do to be free? Let go of the peanut, dude. Okay, if you let go of the peanut, your hand comes right out. You know, you want to slap the little monkey. Come on, you dumb little monkey. Right? But here he goes. He sticks his hand in there and he holds on to that peanut. And he does that all night. He fights against his hand the whole time, not letting go of the... Because he wants the peanut so bad, he can't think about walking away and not having the peanut that's in here. Not realizing that it's soon, when the sun comes up, going to cost him his life. Because in the morning, the tribe comes, and the poor little monkey has fought so long and so hard to get his little hand out of the thing that he's exhausted And he won't let go of the peanut. And he can't fight. And so the tribesmen just come by and pick up the dumb little monkey. And go home and have, I don't know, monkey stew or whatever they have. (laughs) I don't know. Now, it's easy to see how dumb that little monkey is. That all he has to do is let go of the peanut, and he could be free. In Matthew, in chapter 16, Jesus was speaking, and he said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his Christ, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, it's impossible to be standing for healing yet claim sickness. It's impossible to say that, you know what, I I, I, I need... I need joy in my life. I need God to to, to give me joy. I need His joy to overtake me. Yet continue to to mourn and to sorrow. I'm not saying that there isn't sorrow. I'm not saying there isn't mourning. But what I am saying is you you can't keep your hand held on to that because you'll never get loose. 
See, it says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he will find it. Let go of the peanut. It's easy to see it in the monkey. Where it hurts and where it's difficult is when I see it in me. You know, in all those trades, in all those things that we talked about that people did, the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18 said, Father, I want. Jesus, I have come to you because I... See, we know what we want. That's not a... What we want usually isn't the situation, usually isn't the problem. See, it's not what we want. Many times it's just the cost What we perceive the cost to be. Jesus came because he wanted us. And the cost of his own life wasn't too much. He paid it. And he made the trade and he gave himself away for you and for me. See, the rich young ruler said, I want want eternal life. And Jesus said, sell all you have. Give it all away to the poor. Don't be attached to the stuff that you have, but give away who you are and what's going on. Come, it says, take up your cross and follow me. And it says the rich young ruler in that moment looked down and said, can't do that. It said he walked away very sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff. He walked away with his hand stuck in the coconut, holding on to the peanut because he just couldn't see ever letting go. The trade that Jesus made at Calvary was for you and for me to bring salvation to bring his goodness to bring his mercy and his grace to bring his healing to bring his abundance to bring his prosperity to bring his peace to bring his joy to bring everything that he is into this earth to be manifest in your life and in my life but what he asked in return is simply let go of who you are and lay it down and come and follow me I made a trade. I gave myself away for you. Now, will you, in turn, make that trade? Will you give yourself away for me? Everything that you have need of, everything that you seek is found in him. And he has provided it. I'm sure that monkey is completely destroyed on the inside as he looks up and he sees the guy coming. He sees him. He's coming. He's going to get me. I can't, but I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't let go. I want to run, but I can't because this thing inside of here, see. Nobody knows about this. I don't know if I can let that thing, man. Nobody knows. What's it going to look like? What's it going to look like if you don't? See, what's going to happen if you don't? Let's stand up real quick. I want to read one more scripture. In Romans 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. In the Message Bible, it says, Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the death-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured out through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous, life-giving gift. It says the verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was the wonderful life sentence. If death got the hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine, listen now, the breathtaking recovery that makes sovereign life in those who grasp with what? Both hands. 
if those who will grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting, everything right, that the one man Jesus provides. You don't have your hands stuck in the cookie jar hanging on to something that you don't want to get rid of. It says you have to grab on to him with what? With both hands. With both hands. That you hold on to who he is. That thing that says, I just can't do everything. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can because His grace is sufficient. The thing that says, I don't know if I can let go of this. Yeah, you can because what you're looking for is on the other side of letting go of what you're holding on to. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, it's a good word. I couldn't wait to talk about the monkey today. I've been thinking about a monkey for like 18 hours. That's good news. That's good news. Let's pray this morning. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.